beef jerky. Luke chapter 11, today we're going to be chewing on it like a piece of beef jerky. The scripture will be on the screen, also in the Bibles beneath the seats or on your devices. I am Todd. Uh, several years ago, I had the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and then we hit the road, planted a church in Cleveland, Ohio, and just very recently, the family and I have moved back, and we are really enjoying getting plugged back into the church and into the community. Very thankful for the opportunity to preach the third part of this In Rhythm series. And so with that said, I know we were in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood for a while, but today's sermon is brought to you by the letter P. We're going to be exploring prayer and why we ought to take it up a notch. I was in kindergarten, and the teacher told us very sternly to remain in our seats while she stepped out of the classroom for a moment. I did stay in my seat. I wiggled and I squirmed. But I did stay in my seat, and I did have an accident. I could go on and tell you more embarrassing stories about myself. There's a long list. There is the talent show. Then there was the wedding. No, no, it's not what you think. But then there was another wedding. And... And then there was the board game. I could be honest and tell you more embarrassing stories like that, but it wouldn't really benefit you and it'd just make me blush. So instead, let's be honest about prayer. Maybe, maybe for you, prayer seems dry and boring. Like, like what's the point? Possibly, Prayer seems like you're just going through the motions. Every day you rattle off the same phrases, talking so fastly your grandma couldn't even understand you, rattling off the same phrases day after day without even thinking about what you're saying. Perhaps we're timid in prayer because God seems distant. He seems so removed, like how, how are we even supposed to talk to the creator of the world? Consider Dwight L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a follower of Jesus in the second half of the 19th century. So think Civil War, think Wild West. That was his time period. D.L. Moody founded Moody Church, Moody Bible Institute, Moody Publishers in Chicago, Illinois, which are all still thriving today. He preached throughout the United States and in Europe, reaching hundreds of thousands for Christ. This guy was Billy Graham before there was Billy Graham. But get this, when he thought about what it would be like when he was in heaven, he said this, Next to the wonder of seeing my Savior will be, I think the wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. So yeah, if we're honest with ourselves about it, we could probably take it up a notch. Let's take a bite that first bite, and start chewing. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. This passage begins by stating that Jesus was in a certain place 
praying. We know from the Gospels that he had a pattern, he had a rhythm of prayer. The disciples that are mentioned here, his friends, they had spent a lot of time with him. And they had noticed this about him because they had seen it with their own eyes. So when Jesus finishes praying, they say, teach us to pray like you. In other words, we want to be like you. We want to be in rhythm with you. In 2019, if we're going to be in rhythm with Jesus, if we're going to be something like Jesus, like the disciples desired, it is vital that we have a healthy rhythm of prayer. Rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern. Our prayer life, it needs to be strong, and it ought to be regular, like eat your raisins regular. So the the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and he obliged. And we pick back up in verse 2, where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Verse 2, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. This portion of Scripture, you probably recognize, we heard the version from the Gospel of Matthew earlier in the worship gathering. It's called the Lord's Prayer. That's the title that we give it. Uh, it's recited in worship gatherings, it's sung by choirs, it's hung on walls. But more than just something that Jesus prayed, this is really a model or an example that he gives. The disciples say, teach us to pray. Jesus says, here, here's a model, here's an example that you could follow. And there's a few things that we notice about it. First off, we notice that prayer is relational. Speaking of relational, several years ago, my wife and I said I do right about here and here. Over the years, I've discovered that her love language is quality time. In fact, she calls me every day at 12.59 because she just loves that one-to-one time. <laughs> Relational. The first word, thanks, thanks, thanks. The first word in this model prayer is Father. Prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father. The maker of heaven and earth is not only all-powerful, he's also very personal. Recently, I called to speak with someone. Had something that we had to discuss, that I thought we had to discuss, something that I was actually looking forward to sharing. So I called a secretary, answered the phone, and and said, how how can I help you? I said, I would like to speak to so-and-so. They said, just a moment, put me on hold. A moment later, instead of being transferred over, the secretary picked back up the phone and said, he said he doesn't really need to talk to you. Now, in my mind, I was like, well, excuse me, Mr. Big Stuff, who do you think you are? I got over it. But this is, this is what's remarkable, though. The maker of heaven and earth. We always have his ear. God doesn't screen his calls. Prayer is relational. Now, now if, if we're having a conversation 
with someone to whom we're not familiar, that conversation might be uncomfortable and it might be shallow. But that's not prayer. Our Heavenly Father knows us completely, loves us deeply. At great cost, He adopted us into, our, into His family. And prayer is conversating with Him. It's talking with Him. Remember when we were being honest about prayer earlier. Maybe, maybe we find ourselves in this. We find ourselves just repeating the same words without even thinking about what we're saying. We're just going through the motions in prayer. It's just routine. Perhaps we go days or weeks without meaningful, a meaningful conversation with God because it seems boring and pointless, like, like, does He even listen to me? Possibly we shy away from praying in groups with others in our church family because we're intimidated. We don't have a King James vocabulary of those seven-syllable theological words, and so we don't want to be embarrassed when we're praying before others. But that's not prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be dry. Prayer doesn't have to be routine. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. We're talking with God like we would a family member or friend that we have great affection for. Prayer is relational. The second thing that we notice about this prayer in Luke chapter 11 is that it can be broken into two parts. And the first part is God-centered prayer. Simply put, this God-centered prayer is us expressing our adoration for God and our desire for His work. We read, Father, may Your name be kept holy. May Your kingdom come soon. God, we, we say something like, God, You are wonderful. You are beautiful. And sometimes, for me, uh, when I'm in prayer... I think about, uh, uh, about what needs to happen in my life, and then I think about the church, and then I think about the, 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 the city and the state, and I think about all the chaos in the world, and I'm just overwhelmed. And I don't know what all needs to happen in that, but God's got the world in His hand, and so we can pray, God, let Your work, let Your will be accomplished here, there, and everywhere. We read, let Your kingdom come. That's a desire for God's reign to be complete here. In fact, the last prayer in the Bible, Revelation 22, 20, is come, Lord Jesus. And so, in this God-centered prayer, we're expressing our adoration. God, you are holy, you are beautiful. And we're expressing our desire for his kingdom, for his kingdom work to be done and to come. The second part of this prayer is us-centered. Because while God is great and mighty, we are poor and needy beggars. And so, simply put, we're expressing, confessing our absolute dependence upon Him. We read a few things here. Give us each day the food we need. We're asking for daily provisions. And we can thank Him for that as well. Because every day He provides us with the bare necessities, and He provides us with opportunities, and He provides us with relationships. We can be like that child at bedtime who is just trying to stay awake a little bit longer, and so they're praying, and, and they start 
thanking God for every family member by name, and then they start thanking God for all of their classmates by name, and, and then they start thanking God for all the different uh, snacks that they had that day, and then they open their eyes and look around the room, and they, they start thanking God for pretty pictures on the wall and for stuffed animals. God provides all of that for us. We are absolutely, completely dependent upon Him for those provisions. We read, we read, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Now, we're not perfect, and our Heavenly Father, remember, He knows us, and He saved us, so we're not perfect, and God, He knows that we're not perfect. But we don't want our, our, our sin, our, our failings, to create a barrier in how closely we're walking with Him. We don't want... We don't want our sin to get us out of rhythm with Jesus. It's like maybe a coworker. You work with this person, but over time, they've rubbed you the wrong way. You've said things that have offended them, and the air has never been cleared. Those things have never been dealt with, brought up, and so now there's a lot of tension there. You still work together. You still, you still have, to, have to, 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 to do projects together, but there's a lot of tension there. You're not in harmony with one another. Well, the air needs to be cleared. And usually with a little communication, things can be mended there. Well, it's similar to that here. We say, forgive us our sins. He knows that we sin. We know that we sin. But we don't want that to create a barrier in how closely we're walking with Him. We want to be like the person in Psalm 32 who is so happy because they know that every day their slate has been wiped clean. And finally... Don't let us yield to temptation. I carry this little Tupperware uh, around with me every day, every, just about everywhere I go. I'm not going to tell you what I keep in it, but, but yeah, I'm a little bit like that toddler that carries a cup of Cheerios and cheese crackers. But, but I, I carry this with me because we have some long, long days, right? And throughout that long, long day, I need a little pick-me-up. I need a little energy, and this is my go-to. Well, we don't only have long, long days. We live in a hard, hard world. And so we need a spiritual pick-me-up. We need spiritual strength. And so we pray, don't let us yield to temptation. In other words, it's like, it's like praying the beginning, beginning of the day, Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to respond with wisdom and grace today. Let others hear you in my words and see you in my actions. Because we need that strength, God's strength, to help us walk tall and shine bright for Him. God-centered, expressing our adoration. Us-centered, expressing our absolute dependence upon Him. Now this model prayer here, you can pray it word for word, but you can also use it as a guide. And I've found that helpful for me. God-centered prayer and then us-centered telling God, confessing to him my needs. I encourage you to, to, to pray it both ways, word for word and as a guide. As it is the business of mechanics to repair cars, the business of chefs to prepare delicious entrees, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So, hey, Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues with a story in order to encourage us to pray and to pray big, we pick up in verse 5 and we're going to continue chewing on this passage. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. 
Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus encourages us to pray and to pray big. In this story that Jesus tells, this parable, short, relatable story with a powerful point, he says, there's this fellow, he has an out-of-town guest arrive late in the evening, but he has no food to offer him. He has nothing uh, with which to show hospitality. So he goes next door, knocks on his neighbor's door and says, just had an out-of-town guest arrive, I have nothing to give him, can I borrow some bread? Well, the neighbor, he's already shut it down for the night. The kids, they're already in bed, and so he says, sorry, bud, I can't help you out. This happens to us all the time. It's, it's really not that uncommon. We need a favor, so we ask a friend. But for whatever reason, it's not convenient for them to help at that time. We say, no biggie, don't sweat it. It can wait till tomorrow, or, or maybe I'll call somebody else. But in this story, Jesus says that the man didn't leave. He says, if you keep on knocking, if you're persistent, if you say, no, 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 I know, I know it's going to mess up your night, but if you, I really need some bread, please, if you don't go away, that neighbor, he's going to get up, not because he's your friend, but because you are so shamelessly, ridiculously persistent. Speaking of asking, I've got a friend that works at a bank. Uh, the other day, <laughs> I've, no, I've got a friend that works at a bank. I really do. The other day, uh, an elderly lady walked in and, and asked, asked him to check her balance. So he walked around the counter and pushed her over. God is, not, God is not an unwilling neighbor. So how much more? How much more is he ready to answer their request, to open the door, to give the bread? The point Jesus is making in this short parable is that he really, really wants us to pray. 
I wonder if you have been there. I'm talking shameless, ridiculously persistent. I wonder if you've been there like a poor and needy child begging and pleading with God, waiting on Him to reveal, waiting on Him to provide, waiting on Him to answer. If you have been there in prayer before, then you know that those prayers are not dry. Oftentimes, they're filled with tears. You know that those prayers are not routine. You are revealing your heart to God, confessing your need, your desire. You know that those prayers aren't necessarily religiously correct. They are raw and they are real. And Jesus says, bring it. Bring me your hard prayers. Bring me your desperation. Bring me your shamelessness. Jesus says, bring it. He finishes this thought with this comparison between human fathers and the heavenly father. And he says, if human fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more, how much more willing and able to give good gifts is our heavenly father? And the greatest gift that's mentioned here in verse 13 is the Holy Spirit. The best present is His presence with us, in us. The Holy Spirit gives us life. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit is transforming us to be more like Christ. The Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to pray, maybe you've been there and you don't even... You don't even have words to communicate. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The best present is His presence. This comparison between human fathers and the Heavenly Father makes sense. If you're a father, you probably don't light up when your kids ask you for help with math homework. But there are a lot of questions, a lot of requests that you look forward to. You're waiting for your child to ask you a serious question about life because you want to be able to share your experience and, and the wisdom you have with them. You're ready for, for your son or daughter to, to ask you for help on developing a particular skill because you want to be able to teach that to them and pass that on. Birthday requests? You're all for that because you can't wait to see the smile on their face when they open it. Maybe you've got a, a young child, or maybe you can remember back to when you, when you had, had little ones at the house, and, and, and maybe they said, Dad, will you come and, and, and sit with me and, at bedtime and, and, and read to me for a little bit? You want to spend that quality time with them. And that's us. And, and we're, a, we're, we're a wreck. We're a mess. We're selfish. So how much more? Is God ready to hear our prayers and to, and to answer our prayers? says, ask, seek, knock. The New Testament book of Ephesians is a letter that missionary Paul writes to the church in the city of Ephesus. And in chapter 3, he actually writes out one of his prayers for them. And he closes that particular prayer with this statement in chapter 3, verse 20. 
Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Chew on that for a little bit. God can do more than we can even imagine. We come to Him with prayers, with big prayers. He can do more than that. That ought to encourage us to pray, capital B, capital I, capital G, prayers. Pray big prayers asking God to give you strength and direction as you're trying to figure out what to do in life, what the next step is. Believe that God will reveal that to you. Believe that He will guide you in that direction. He says He will. His Word says He will. Pray big prayers asking God to save in that what seems like a hopeless situation. Pray big prayers asking God to heal. He is able. Pray big prayers asking God, as we sung earlier, as Scripture states, pray big prayers asking God to move mountains. He is able. He does it. You've probably witnessed it. Pray big prayers. I've got two stories. One involves a doll. One involves milk. I've got two stories, but I'm only going to tell one this morning. They're both great stories, but I'm only going to tell one. So, any, many, many, mo. I love the milk story, but we're going with the doll. Dr. Helen Rosevere. Dr. Helen Rosevere actually went to be with the Lord just a few years ago. She was from England and served as a missionary doctor in the Congo for a couple of decades. Congo is a country in Central Africa, and when she was serving there in the 1950s and 60s, there was a lot of turmoil there as, as, as the, the government was turning over, and, and it, that time period is known as the Congo Crisis. Uh, as a missionary there, Talking about government turnover and crisis, you might can imagine just a little bit what she saw and what she endured. She's got an incredible life story. I really encourage you to, uh, to, read, a, to read about her story or, or even watch some, some video interviews. But Dr. Helen Rosevere tells this particular story about a big prayer that was prayed by a young girl there in the Congo. A mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle that we had was beyond repair. I asked the nurses to, to do the best they could for this child, and, and then I, I went on to a prayer time with some of the children from the orphanage. Told them about the situation, and we asked the children to pray for the baby, and for her two-year-old sister. One of the girls, a 10-year-old named Ruth, responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. Now, I didn't think this was possible. I'd been on the mission field for four years and had never 
received a, a package from back home. But later that afternoon, a large package did arrive from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, exclaiming, If God sent that, I'm sure he also sent a doll. And she was right. The Heavenly Father knew in advance of that child's sincere requests, and five months earlier, he had led a ladies' group to include both of those specific articles. That's a capital B, capital I, capital G prayer that even the missionary didn't think was possible. But it happened. Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on praying, and pray big prayers. In Luke chapter 11, as we've chewed on it, we see that Jesus teaches us how to pray and really encourages us to. I want to share just a few practical tips that can help us take it up a notch. Not out of guilt, not out of guilt, but just to, to, to to, to further take advantage of the gift that prayer is. It wouldn't hurt us to take it up. Uh, these are things that can improve your communication with God. I've been married for 17 years, and, and my wife and I are constantly having to work on communication skills so that we can communicate better, right? And so it's not going to hurt for, for us to, to, to maybe try something, to, to freshen up our communication with God. So I'm going to share some things, and, and the challenge I have for you is, is just to take at least one of these and say, you know what, that might help my communication. That might help freshen up my prayer life. That might help me turn it up to 11. And, and so, so as I mention these different tips, grab hold of at least one of them. Here we go. There's resources. Uh, last Sunday, as we looked at knowing Scripture, uh, there were a few uh, apps Bible reading apps that were mentioned, you can access those through the HC app, version and Read Scripture. I uh, encourage you to take hold of those. You also had the, the post-it note challenge to get a stack of post-its and each day write, write one verse, stick it on your mirror, stick it on your dashboard, stick it at your office, and maybe you've put two and two together and said, that's why the post-it was on my seat this morning. So that's a resource that you can take with you. That is for you to help you know Scripture and walk more in rhythm with Jesus. Today we're talking about prayer. Like those Scripture reading apps, there is a prayer app. It's called Prayer Mate. You can access it through the HC app if you go to Media and then Resources. And this will help you develop different prayer lists praying for missionaries, praying for different things that are going on, and throughout the week it'll, it'll help keep that fresh so that you can be praying, for, praying intentional prayers. Um, so I encourage you to, if that'd be helpful, use that Prayer Mate app. You can also create lists to pray for different family members. And speaking of praying for family members, maybe you're trying to pray for your kids and maybe you've heard stories of, of a, a generation above you that prayed for their kids all their life. And, and you're like, you know, I'd like to pray for my kids, but I don't know what to say other than, God, just help them to obey me today. You know, God, just... And so there are some prayer cards today uh, on the back coffee tables there. How to pray, praying for your wife, 
and some props and some scriptures that might help you pray intentionally for your wife, prayer cards for praying for your husband, and praying for your children. So when you leave, I encourage you to take those prayer cards that are appropriate for your situation, help you take it up a notch in praying for your family member. So those are some resources that are available. The second tip that I would give you is two words. Pray Scripture. Simple enough, isn't it? Now, there are throughout the Bible lots of prayers that are actually recorded in Scripture, and you could pray those word for word. The, the pray, from, from Matthew 6 or from Luke 11, what we call the Lord's Prayer, you can pray that word for word. But also, it's as simple as as you read Scripture, just talk to God about whatever comes to mind. As you're reading that verse, as you're reading that chapter, and as you're chewing on it and thinking about it, just talk to God about whatever it is that comes to mind from that. Pray Scripture. Number one, take advantage of the resources. Number two, pray Scripture. Number three, if you want to catch up with an old friend, or, or maybe uh, you, you really need to discuss something at work with someone, well, what you do is you coordinate your schedules and you put it on the calendar so that you can make sure you have that conversation, you have that meeting. We can certainly pray continuously. We can pray, have an ongoing conversation with God. But sadly, we often neglect that, and we never have a meaningful conversation with Him. So why not schedule time to talk with God? Schedule time for intentional prayer. Maybe for you that would be early in the morning before all the electronics get turned on for a few minutes. Maybe it would be on your lunch break when in the middle of the day you have 15 minutes of calm. Maybe it's on your car ride home in the evenings. But schedule time to have an intentional conversation with God. And fourth, a little tool that's been helpful for me for about 20 years now, I've gone through little notebooks just like this uh, to help me stay in rhythm with Jesus through by getting a grip on the Word, a little tool that helps me uh, get in, in the Word of God, and also through prayer time. And so get a notebook. And just like you send emails or send texts, maybe you could actually write out a prayer to God. Dear Heavenly Father. Doesn't have to be three pages. Doesn't have to be an essay. Nobody's going to word count it like a paper at school. But just write out a prayer. Maybe it's a few sentences. Maybe it's a few paragraphs. Write out a prayer. Some days that might be helpful. Other days you might write out just a prayer list and just jot down a few things that you prayed for that day. You could even use a prayer list uh, that you might go back to for a few weeks or a few months at a time. And as you have your list recorded, you're able to go back and pray for that regularly and see how God answers prayer. Take notes, check things off, put dates on there as you see God working and answering those prayers. There's a lot of resources that will help us take it up a notch. I encourage you to grab hold of at least one of those. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, you are wonderful beyond words. You are powerful. You are beautiful. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of prayer that you being so wonderful and so powerful, you care to spend time with us. You care to listen to us. Help us as individuals, as families, and as a church 
to continue to grow in prayer, that we might expect to see you work, that we might continue to confess our dependence upon you, that we might continue to express our thanks for your salvation, and that we might see you do things beyond our imagination. Amen.